You know, sometimes things are a little harder than you think they'll be in life, but you gotta keep on trying. But take your time, things will be alright. A chubby golfer gazes out on the course. What's up, disc golfers? Welcome to episode 118 of the Disc Golf Podcast. My name is Robin. Alongside me, my longtime friend, avid disc golfer, Joe. Hi, friends. Welcome back. Yeah, we're, we we didn't have a long hiatus as a result of 4th of July this time. so It feels back, like it's been really long, though, for some Back reason. on our regular schedule. It's only been, uh, we're only a day later than we would normally do it, but. Yeah, I think um, I just have my, my head on a little better than I did last time. Possibly. And you're also probably just missed me because I was gone all weekend. That's, I mean, I, I, and so there's, not even make jokes about it. Like, that's true. So there was a perceived, you know, uh, amount of time that, that, that was really just you staring out your window, wondering when I was going to come see you. Right, like imagine in the movies where you see someone like staring out longingly, and there's like rain. There's no rain; it was hot as shit. Yeah, um, but I definitely was like, I used to play disc golf with Robin on weekends. Yeah, like and that's not happening. instead of rain clouds, it was like smoke from fires in California. No, it wasn't. But I did. <laughs> I love. It. I'm starting the show already with a little tangent. Uh, so part of my new job, I oversee a teen club as well as my all the other uh, youngins. And I went over there and hung out there for a day, and we watched the movie. There's like a new movie on Netflix that's like a, an end of the world, like apocalypse type thing. And at one point, they're in an area where it's like covered in ash, and it's smoky, and there's fires, um, and there's also earthquakes. And I'm like, so, so Northern California? Cause, yeah. Because I've been through all that. Sounds about right. <laughs> I know that stuff. That's not apocalypse. That's but. not not apocalyptic. It's my life. Yeah. But uh, so I I had the great pleasure of going up to South Lake Tahoe over the weekend for a uh, bachelor party, which I should I get into all the the nitty gritty details of the bachelor party? I don't think should uh, I just talk I about? I don't think legally you're allowed to, I but I think you should talk about disc golf. Oh yeah. Oh, oh. so okay. All right. Um, I was planning on talking about the uh. The police force that arrived randomly at the house I was staying at, but did that actually happen? I'll talk about disc golf. Why instead. did you, what? That can't be true. You're lying to me. <laughs> There's no way that happened. You didn't tell me about that. Somehow I avoided arrest. It was fantastic. I, I must be an incredibly good negotiator because oh, or you are uh, an adult white male who makes a decent wage. Okay, yeah, but they had me dead to rights on several. Crimes. I'm not even sure are crimes, but they seem to. And then you could hear them talking to the radio, like, "He's white." They're, over. Pr- they're pretty serious about it. <laughs> okay, but and and then somehow, I, you know, it, instead of arresting me, they just started taking their clothes off. But it, you know, never mind. I'll talk about disc golf. And, and they were some strong <laughs> men. <laughs> they must work out a lot. <laughs> I've were, known many officers <laughs> in my day, and rarely <laughs> are they that cut. It was really hot. I they guess. must have a gym at the, <laughs> at, the, <laughs> at the station. Station, because I don't know how you can work a job like that and still be in such great shape. Um, I mean, I tried to get them to come to the disc golf course. They didn't seem interested. They were also but. just randomly really good dancers. <laughs> Maybe that's what helps, uh, you know, keep those abs so rock hard. Is it normal for a police officer to bring a Bluetooth speaker to to a uh, 
to a house call? Is that is that a thing? Well, you got to work out, or you can work out. I I I don't know, but I just it just it all seemed a little off, but it worked out really well. Um, but anyway, I played in South Lake Tahoe uh, at a, a course I'd never played at before. I'd, I'd been up there many times, and I've played a lot of times. I played Truckee River. Um, which is on the, the north side of Lake Tahoe. And then I've played Zephyr Cove, which is in Nevada, technically. And, I mean, not technically. It's literally in, in Nevada. Um, and uh, But if, if you're not familiar with Lake Tahoe, the, the state line border of California and Nevada literally goes through the, the middle of the lake. So there's uh, an area that really kind of, for all intents and purposes, is, you know, uh, are there are one there... town that's both in California and Nevada? You can be at a, I I was at a bar where the state line was in the middle of the street, you know, right across from the bar. So are there lake cops who were like, "Oh, he went too far." Well, you know, get the, him, Nevada. My only cop experience was very enjoyable. So I, you know, I don't know. I I feel like they're just very welcoming, uh, free spirited group that is uh, not afraid to. And goodness, they are to huggers. get down to some tunes. So. I I really had had no issues with them. I I didn't you know, I didn't even realize when they were cold, but they were just rubbing their bodies against me to warm me up. <laughs> they saved some lives that night. <laughs> some very strong men that that uh, very brave strong men. Um, There's but- also a fireman. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I, a a they have to send emergency services. They have know? to send emergency services to to every uh you know emergency call so the the firemen were there just to make sure that you know like you know something i don't, I don't know why that is but they it's it's a law you can read about it later it's fine it's a nevada thing it's a nevada thing i was actually in california for for that part but no big deal well they're there to protect and serve you know but i got to play a course that i'd never played before which is always awesome i get to play bijou which is uh in uh in South Lake Tahoe, and it's a uh, pretty awesome. For Tahoe, it's like relatively flat, so um, but it's a, a pretty thickly wooded course in in some areas, and pretty technical, and and twenty seven holes, also, which is. Are you talking about the cops? Which is fantastic. <laughs> There's not that many of them, but I suppose, yeah, I sure. Why not? We'll go with that. Well, the gentleman at the party, at the bachelor party, also with the cops. I should say, uh, you know, it's a very streamlined course that you could play relatively quickly. I mean, you could get in and out pretty fast multiple times. Sometimes you just got to you gotta catch your breath. And I was wondering whether you're going to just let that slide. You got to take, take a moment and just, whoo, you know, get your uh, gusto back together to get back yeah. out there. Uh, to be honest, B- some might call it a refractory period. <laughs> to be honest, B- what Bijou reminded me of was kind of like a a a longer uh, Golden Gate Park type type course where you got a lot of thickly wooded holes and uh, some technicality to it. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> sorry, <laughs> you like I need to move on. Like, <laughs> you like uh, uh, yep. Okay. Thickly wooded. And the culture <clears throat> is very right. similar. All right. If you know what I mean? If you get <laughs> you get the eucalyptus I'm barking up. It like uh, reminded me of rest stops back home. <laughs> you know, just plenty of dudes willing to, you know, lend a hand. <laughs> there were. And or uh, mouth. And, you know, 
when when you're going a little bit faster than than some of the other the other guys on the course, they were fully willing to step aside and, and let you plow through, which is always the mark of a good disc golf community. So you just had to make sure, and as from what you told me, you did just got to make sure you got a real good pull. Yeah. As you do so. Well, so I, I know mean, you mean business. You're up at elevation. The air is thinner. So you can you can wear yourself out a little bit faster than you would normally expect to. Where, you know, you're just not used to that level of, of exertion combined with the thinner air. It can get very difficult. So you have to kind of conserve your energy and, and make sure that you, you take breaks and hydrate as well. So as usual. Very important factor. Yeah, you know, like you know, sometimes your legs get a little wobbly, and you just gotta give it, give a second, brace yourself. Exactly, exactly. No, but, well, I mean, I don't know that I've ever had uh, had the wobbly legs on the course, but <laughs> <laughs> on the course, <laughs> on the course. But uh, but I mean, it's a legitimate concern that y- you'd have to you know, pay attention to and, and monitor as you as you navigate the twenty seven holes. My favorite thing, and I'm I'm gonna I'm ruining the bit slightly, is this is probably the fastest we've ever gotten to actual disc golf <laughs> on the show in the last I don't know 15 episodes. Are you sure we were talking about disc golf? <clears throat> but the other part is every show we start out and we make the comment. If this is your first time listening, <laughs> we're sorry. We're sorry. All right. Well, I'm gonna take that opportunity to introduce our show and and let you know what we're going to talk about on this episode of the Disc Golf Podcast, episode 118. We are going to talk a little bit about playing at elevation because obviously I I went up and played in Lake Tahoe and I'd like to uh, talk about some of the aspects of disc flight that happen when you go from playing normally at sea level to, you know, several, you know, 6,000 feet in my case. Uh, And then we are going to recap the Canopy State Open and talk about that tournament. We also have the Raptor Range, which is our disc golf podcast phone line where people call in and uh, send us messages to uh, play on the podcast. We'll, we'll go over those. And then we have our world-famous deer review, our disc and beer pairing, where we take a disc, we take a beer, we review them both, and let you know whether you should bring it on the course. Tonight, we have the MVP Volt, and we're going to pair that with Revival West Coast IPA by Beaver Island Brewing Company. This is sent to us by Eli Starkaz, both the disc and the beer. So, all-star listener, um, future future newlywed. Pre- you bet. There's a promise ring in his future. I, I, I like that I did that voice and I realized that uh, if you're not a patron, you don't know what that is. No. Uh, well, you were imitating his uh, bride-to-be, Olivia. His soon-to-be... Yes. Uh, or his future ex-wife. Yeah. So uh, that's that's what we got for you on the show. Joe, are you ready to, to talk about, uh, like, literally talk about my round in, in Tahoe? I am, but a quick shout-out before we roll into that. Um, before we get into all the, the coverage of Kanapiche Day uh, and Bijou, super cool video went up last night. Just a, a quick shout out to oh, Jomez. Yeah, we should. There's a, a better broken down Jomez with Big Germ and Paul breaking down the minus 18 at the the D Glow. Yeah. Uh, it rad. It was super fun to watch and hear Paul kind of talk about it. Yeah. Um, and also hear Germ, um, you know. Absolute I, must watch. Yeah. It, it was, hear it Paul was break down what was going on in, in, in each of those holes. It, you know, there's not really. 
much opportunity. And Paul is is so matter of fact, and and he's not really he's not BSing you about anything, and um, you know, giving some real good insight on on what's going on. And Germ is just you know, Germ. He's enjoyable. He's cracking jokes. He's he's uh, he's you know, keeping it keeping it interesting throughout the whole thing. So fan, it was it was fantastic. I watched it uh, last night actually after I got home. Yeah, so, so. I just want to give that a shout out because I, I don't know if we'd get into that otherwise. Yeah, but yeah, let's talk about Bijou. Bijou. So uh, Bijou is a great course. Um, it it was when I was went there it was set up in pretty short um, short pins and most things, so it was fairly kind of. Uh, easy, especially on the the first nine holes or so, were were relatively um, simple holes where they're all less than you know three hundred feet or so. A few that were longer than that, but really not much difficulty to them. You just had to navigate some trees and some some wooded uh, wooded areas to get through. So I, I was playing fairly well. Um, the the biggest part about it was you're kind of in this meadow in Tahoe and it's so beautiful through the, through the whole area. And it's, it's like one of those courses that you, you just envy the people that live nearby it. Now, granted it gets covered in snow, so they don't get it all year round, but it's, it's easy to navigate. The signage is good. Um, it's disc golf only for the, you know, the park has other, other users in it, but for the most part, that is disc golf. The course itself is, is disc golf only. And, um, and you know, it's relatively flat more or less. So like getting through it, you're not going to wear yourself out. You could play multiple rounds there and, and, uh, and get a lot of disc golf in. It's just one of those courses where you're like, damn this, like, I, I wish I could replicate this close by because I could, I could tear up so much disc golf there. It's amazing. Um, and then the other part was I could tell, you know, seeing the other pin positions as I walk through that course can be brutally difficult when they put everything long. Um, it, it, a huge, huge increase in difficulty on some of the holes from, from A to, to C or D in some cases. Um, so really, really great course. I had, I had a great time playing it. Um, one of the things that, you know, it's been probably a year or so since I played at Elevation. Um, and it, it's always worth bringing it up. We've brought it up in the past, but I wanted to, touch again on on what what happens to your disc because i went up there knowing what i was getting into so i i packed my bag differently and put in uh some some discs to help uh give me some shots that i that i would need once i go up in elevation because it really does change drastically so by the way i think i mean you're gonna bring it up i'm sure um but i i do feel like you've had even before tahoe you had a change in your, I don't know if I would call it your max distance. Maybe I would your max distance driver, um, or at least your understable uphill get out there driver has changed. At least the last couple rounds I played with you. Um, and I know you relied heavily on said disc. I did actually in, in Tahoe. So, uh, Joe's referring to the, the Viking Ragnarok, which, um, I actually we reviewed on this podcast and I bagged subsequently but didn't use as um as much as I probably should have. Yep. And, and and recently I've I've started to rely on it a lot more for, for understable shots. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and say right now, um, Robin has 
pointed out to me for years different things that I should be throwing and and whatnot. And slowly but surely, I've fallen in line and been like, "You're right." And I feel like the Ragnarok is one that I've been harping on for the last I don't know, three months with Robin being like, "Why do you keep throwing that beast? You should throw that Ragnarok. You should throw that Ragnarok." And finally, he committed. Yep. Somewhat, and I did, and it it shows. Now I have two of them, it, yep. but the disc legitimately goes far. I mean, it just goes, and uh, it's got great glide. It's very domey. Um, and it's, it's pretty understable. Um, so it's not, it's not something you want to break out in a headwind, but I use it for tailwind shots and for uphill drives, but you take that disc up to Tahoe, uh, where you're at 6,300 feet at the lake. Um, and all of a sudden that disc is no longer a turnover disc at all. It, I want to throw a ballista at elevation so bad. It just, you can throw it. You can throw it on a flat hyzer and it'll hold it and glide and then finish. So, overall, to really simplify it, going up in elevation will make your discs more stable. <clears throat> Just in its, in its, you know, simplicity, that's that's what happens. So, the general effect is your uh, your overstable driver that you use all the time down at sea level is going to be an absolute meat hook up in elevation. Your understable driver, or maybe even your roller disc, your hyzer flip discs, they might not be hyzer flip discs at all. They might be uh, something you can throw flat that maybe gets a little bit of turn, a little bit of S to that flight, and then fades relatively hard, or it might just be something that you can use as a as a pure hyzer type shot. Um, very, very much so with some of my discs. So, um, and it, you got a couple of things going on. You have thinner air, less air. Uh, and, and the effect is that the disc essentially feels like it's, it's, you know, there's less air resistance too. So, uh, you can throw farther in theory. I didn't measure any shots, but in theory, you should be able to throw farther at elevation because there's less air resistance, thinner air at elevation. Well, you said you did drop like a a beat like S line FD like three seventy plus. I did, yeah, yeah. So right there, um, goodness, that sounds amazing. Yeah, so I so I have a a very beat in S line uh, FD that is jackal stamp, pretty understable, and um, I I threw it on a on a perfectly flat hole, and I threw it flat. I didn't anhyzer it or hyzer flip it or no, you know, just release the disc flat and it it went out it turned a little bit and then faded at the end and you know parked a a 370 something foot hole so normally a disc like that i'm not going to i'd probably pull out something else at sea level rather than trying to stretch an fd all the way out to 370 um i i'd I'd probably grab a different disc so it's just kind of one of those things at elevation so what i did before to, to my bag was I went and grabbed a lot of uh, glidey discs. So discs that have a lot of dome to them typically have more glide. I grabbed a lot of understable discs. I added in, I layered, I took out the top end, uh, highly overstable discs. You're not going to need them. Uh, any, any of your, you know, like your crazy overstable discs, you're, you're not going to need your, your standard discs will probably behave like that. Your Thunderbird will act like a pretty overstable Firebird type type situation. So, uh, 
it's always interesting, but if you if you plan ahead, and um, I tend to disc down pretty pretty significantly, and so for me, I threw a lot of comets, uh, the the mid range disc, very very domey, very glidey, uh, make can make use of that that thinner air and get you some extra distance, and also is not going to be as understable, so you can throw a comet pretty hard and not have it turn or, or flip over or do anything like that uh, at at uh, elevation. So that uh, well, was probably one of the discs that, that did the most work for me on a lot of holes. And anything from putter distance where I could literally, you would you have laughed. I was throwing hyzers with comments. I'm not surprised. No, that's <laughs> great. Well, that's the fun thing, too, when you go play new courses. Like, I know when I went to L.A. and I played Twyla, you'll find something that works. Mm-hmm. And you have the all the confidence, and you know how it's flying. And you just that's what you throw. Like I threw the judge a ton when I was down there because I threw one throw and got it like two eighty five on a laser beam, and I was like, "All right, I know I can do that." Yep. I threw a rampage, and I got it, you know, three eighty five, three ninety on like a perfect, nice, slow hyzer, and I was yeah. like, "All right, so I know what that does." And that's kind of the beautiful thing about a new course is being able to click with something mm-hmm. and knowing. Worst case scenario, I throw this, I know it's going to do, and I'm going to rely on it. Yeah, and you, you do tend to do that. At least I, I know you do and I do. Whenever I'm on a new course, I, I try. I really don't reinvent the wheel. I, I rely on the discs that I know the best and throw them a lot. Um, and that's pretty much what I did. I, I threw the discs that, that I know very well, and, and I brought versions of them that were going to be understable enough to do uh, what what I wanted to. Um, you know, kind of replicate what I would try to do at sea level and other, other throws. I just, you know, you know that you have to account for the fact that that disc isn't going to turn like you thought it was going to. So, um, but I didn't need this course in particular. I didn't need a ton of kind of turnover shots. I was able to play straight shots most of the time and, um, and hyzers and things like that. So, it was. It worked out perfectly. Well, and I think a big piece to your game, um, you know, in my estimation and my multiple times playing with you, um, is how the forehand feels. How's the forehand feeling? It was good. Right, then it was. Then you had a good round. Yeah. Yeah. No, the forehand was the forehand was good. I got a couple of birdies off of forehands. So I mean, overall, on a, on a course I'd never played before, I I shot six down through twenty seven holes. So two bogeys uh, and and eight eight birdies. So I I I played really well, especially on the on the front nine holes. I think I was like five under through eleven or something like that, Ooh. and then uh, and then kind of maintained through through the rest of the course. Had a couple of bogeys after that, and and ended up birdieing eighteen to to go go six down. That's so um, eighteen was or sorry, not eighteen twenty seven. Um, and I also had the, had the nice, uh, it, you know, doesn't always happen, but I was playing solo. So I was playing very fast and I caught up to multiple large groups. Every time I caught up to a group, I parked the hole. That's the best. That's like, it really is the best. So I, I, I had a good I remember time. A time like- I had, I, there was one group I caught up to where I had my first bogey where I hit it, hit an early tree and uh and then didn't quite have a good uh good upshot 
that didn't really put me in good position, but there were like three other groups that I caught up to early in the round and pretty much put it within like eight to 10 feet each time. I so. remember early-ish on, um, I think before Taylor Mountain existed, I played a solo round at Crane Creek and there's a whole, whole uh, 13, which is like a big uphill hole. And I remember when I first started playing, I was like, I'm never going to be able to reach this hole. Like, I don't know. It's so high. Like, I don't get it. Um, and I remember being there playing a solo round and there being like some walkers on the path and being like, what's disc golf? And like, I'm like, well, it's, you know, it's like golf, blah, blah. Um, and put it on the pin. Like probably the, not probably definitely the best drive I'd ever had on that hole was like right when I was explaining to them what disc golf was. And I was like, casually in my mind, I was freaking out, but I was like, yep, <laughs> disc golf. I'm going to go clean up my birdie and Derp get out of here. Take it easy. <laughs> but at that point in time, I probably had gotten into the circle four times and it put it on the pin. I was like, yep, I do this every time, every single time. I'm like, yep, it's just how it is. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> So, yeah, that's always good. I'm normally accustomed, like, you're trying to play through someone and, like, you either completely lose your disc or hit the first tree. And then, isn't that the worst? Like, you go to, you you ask to play through and then someone on your card loses a disc and you just completely defeat the purpose. That's, that's true. I feel like, I, I don't feel like I've been on that side of things very often. Oh, we've had that happen to us. We before. have. We have, but I feel like I've been on the other side of it a lot more and be like, Oh, go yeah. ahead and play through. Oh, yeah. you're playing solo. Yeah. Get after it. And it's like, all right. He just threw 45 feet. Yeah. <laughs> and he, okay. So he's obviously a beginner rad. Ooh, fresh champ boss. Mm-hmm. Okay. Neato. Uh, okay. So he's going to throw six shots and then, uh, Oh, he's not going to putt. He's just going to next hole. Okay, cool. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, so we'll see you on the next <laughs> hole because this is what's going on. So a seventy-six foot forehand approach with a uh, champ boss. All right, okay. That's oh, a... and it rolled down the hill. All right. Couldn't have predicted that. Oh, he's stuck in trees. Hey, can we play back through now? Cool. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. But yeah, I I, I think um, you know, not being a uh, the a physics of flight expert, I think that as simple as i can keep it for for elevation would would be just that there's a good chance you can get more distance you should prioritize domey understable discs because they will they, they will maximize the glide uh that that you can get and um you know even if you go a little bit lightweight on some of them that that should be fine but overall treat it like you've got treat elevation like at all times you've got like a 10 to 15 mile an hour tailwind and and if you think of it that way on on uh at that sort of level you'll be fine like what would you pull out if you had a, a 10 to 15 mile an hour tailwind behind you oh so it's trespass land so um and and go from there and it's really easy to figure out right away but some people can get confused you know, as to why, like, if you're getting frustrated, like, oh, this is my, I, my, uh, you know, my enforcer or whatever, like, I normally can get this thing to Heiser Flip and it's just, it's just crashing and, and, uh, and fading out. Well, that's, that's going to happen. You probably shouldn't 
go bananas on on uh, overstable discs yeah. up at elevation. Uh, you uh, you sound like that? No. Oh, eagle? No. It's, yeah. Stop it. So, but if you choose your disc correctly, it, you can get some really big shots. So. Yeah, I told you I I I played doubles the other day with uh, an open player, and there were definitely shots that I was like, "Yep, I'm not gonna not gonna even think about throwing like he was throwing a a super beefy Firebird, you know, like 350 over water." Yeah, and I'm mm. like, "Yep," I mean, I did throw a Firebird, but it was an 18. It wasn't super beefy, and he threw a ton of whippets which are just like six speed super beef innovatives that no one throws. And he was parking stuff that people were like pulling out destroyers on. It's fun times. Yeah. Good times. Well, I, I, I don't really have much more to add to, to Tahoe golf other than, um, uh, I do want to take one step back because okay. we started the whole conversation with, um, me longingly missing you. Did you have moments where you're like, oh, I wish Joe was here playing with me. No, not at all. I was God, you're a dick. <laughs> fucking asshole. I was actually like thinking of pictures. <laughs> oh, luckily this guy's not going to fucking slow me down. I was like thinking of pictures I, my work. I could take that like would make you more jealous and things like that. And I was like, man, if Joe was here, he'd just be bitching about why his overstable disc didn't didn't uh didn't do what it normally does. And I'd be like, Joe, you're at elevation. Like, I think I'm past work. that. I think I'm past that. I think the last time we played uh, Trekkie River, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, but that was a point in time, too, where I wasn't even like Heiser flipping and turning rampages, and I was still throwing rampages and being like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, no, I think I'm past that. So. I feel like, especially having an Octo Hall, <laughs> you know, when you have like 38 discs, you're probably like, I got something that'll work. <laughs> We're gonna be, we're gonna be all right. <laughs> yeah, a great course, like uh, really, really well labeled and everything too. So, uh, I we we talk about it in past podcasts uh, in terms of destination courses that you should go to, uh, and we talk about De La Viega and Golden Gate Park because we're we're out here in California, and and uh, those are the courses that that we love that are very close to us. And then we also talk about like Milo. And, uh, you know, we talk about, um, uh, what's it called? Oh man. How am I Maple Hill and all these courses? Um, if you're ever in Tahoe, there's, there's two things you should do. Go play Zephyr Cove, which is on the Nevada side. It's one of the most beautiful courses in, in all of the Western United States. Um, it's, it's amazing. I didn't play it this time. I've played it before. It is absolutely gorgeous. You play up into the into the mountains with granite and all this beautiful stuff, and you get partially up there, and you're looking down over all of Lake Tahoe while playing disc golf. It's one of the most beautiful views in all of disc golf. It really is. Uh, and then I'd, I'd hit Bijou, too, because Bijou is an easy-to-play. You know, It's not a major hike like Zephyr Cove is. And it, you, you really you really have to. I, I really wish we've said it in past podcasts, but I wish Tahoe could be showcased in in a tournament setting. The cell coverage up there is just so terrible and the the kind of in and out, it's not on the way to anything. <laughs> and uh, so it would be really difficult, but it would be awesome to showcase the beauty of these courses. They're they're quite good. So 
And if you're looking to see video of them, uh, on YouTube, Google King of the Lake. And you will see footage of, of all these courses and a couple others. Um, you'll see Sierra College on there and Zephyr Cove and Bijou. So um, check check that out if you're looking to get an idea of what I'm talking about. Um, look up the King of the Lake series. There's there's pretty good amount of videos on, on YouTube of, uh, of pros playing them. So, yeah. You ready to move on to Kana Peach Day? Yes, and I'm going to let you uh, roll us into that because I have one beverage left for the deer review. Oh. And I need something else. So if you want to roll in, I can get us each a beverage from our nice, fancy new mini fridge. Okay. And and uh, I'll be back on mic in a second. That sounds good. So the Kana Peach Day Open, which crazy to, to say this, but this is the first major of the season. The first disc golf major. Yeah. So Joe, Joe's looking at me all surprised like, but yeah, this is the first disc golf major. And it just seemed like I knew that, but it also doesn't seem right to be in July and, and, and saying that. Um, so this is in the Czech Republic and, uh, we had excellent footage by spin TV. I mean, really fantastic footage by spin TV, the whole coverage. They, they took it up to a, a whole nother level and already a production company that was doing it an excellent job prior to this. And they, they really upped the ante on this one. And, it, you know, it was kind of the first time we'd seen that coverage because last year we had the Disc Golf World Tour and this year it's been discontinued. So, uh, you know, Spin TV kind of uh, was the the main provider of the Disc Golf World Tour footage. Well, it wasn't. It was the main provider. But they... Uh, so we hadn't really seen too much of them without the Disc Golf World Tour presence this year. So it was good to see that coverage come through, and and we still get uh, the you know fantastic uh, commentary team of of uh, Coling and Nate Sexton as well. So this thing, this tournament started off as an eagle party and ended up as an eagle party, start to finish. He tore it up. From the beginning, there's really no no way around it. He shot 16 under in back-to-back rounds, one and two, and then closed it out with pedestrian 14 and 12 under rounds. I it, He was just so on fire, there was no catching him. He didn't leave anybody an opportunity to get even really close. Uh, Simon Lazat shot a 16 under final round to, to get you know kind of close, I guess, to get within five strokes at the very end. So, um, you know, this was, this was a dominant performance by Eagle. He averaged 1065 rated golf over the four rounds. Uh, Simon in an interview afterwards referred to him as unbeatable, which when he's playing like that, it certainly looked like it. Much like the way Jarvis Landry talks about Josh Gordon. Uh, that's a it's an unnecessary Josh Gordon plug there. Listen, this first of many. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure. And then uh, you know Paul Macbeth, who who you know played well overall, but but had some some goofy uh, some goofy holes. Hole one was like the bane of his existence. Paul did Paul did Paul things that used to be eagle things. Paul yeah. and eagle things. Which was unnecessary OB and penalty strokes. Yeah, and that was I think two years ago, maybe not even last year. I know like with like the Disc Golf Pro Tour, when they had all their advanced metrics, they were like, these guys 
uh, are have the best, you know, driving percentage, but they also are the worst at OB and penalty strokes. Yeah. And Eagle has been able to cut a ton of those down, and I think that's part of the dominance. Um, and one Paul, bogey, one bogey for Eagle. Paul's kind of you know keeping that train rolling. Um, you know, and it's it's a tough world where if if you look at three or four years ago, um, he was just that good that it didn't matter that you could kind of fight through these really uh, rough holes. And now just the the whole landscape of disc golf takes that away. Yeah. I mean, there's there's been – I mean, Eagle has certainly risen. You know, one bogey in, in, uh, in four rounds is an amazing feat. And each one of these guys is, is capable of doing that at this upper upper end, whether it's Ricky or Paul or – or Simon. Well, I mean, or Ricky's Eagle. obviously washed up fifth place. Right? Yeah, <laughs> eleven strokes behind behind Eagle McMahon in fourth place. But uh, I what I found funny was in the in the Spin TV coverage, uh, you have the they did like little pre round interviews in at the beginning of each show where they they got a you know a quick tidbit from from each of the players on the card. And round one, Paul McBeth is like. You know, I'm just going to go out there. I want to minimize the bogeys. That's my main goal. You know, this course is is built to to get birdies, and you know, I just want to minimize the bogeys. And then first thing, first throw right after that throws OB, and then in the entire round he never birdied that hole, and in the round three he took a six. He, <laughs> he threw OB. Oh, yeah. He threw OB, and then uh, in his layup he. Uh, he missed the putt. The putt doinked and went OB again and then missed the comebacker and ended up taking a six. So, And still through like, all like of that. Whole, like literally third. you go hole one alone. Like had he mixed in some birdies in there and not freaking wet the bed on, on two occasions in there, he is way easy at a minimum in second place. He probably still doesn't beat Eagle as crazy as that is. Yeah, no. But, uh, but I mean, you, you could shave – five strokes off his round right there at hole one, which was, which is a hole that has OB um, all around the left side of it and plays a drop zone off the tee. So if you go OB off the tee, you have to play a drop zone that, that is like a 200 feet. They were saying, so Do you know what my biggest takeaway from uh, the coverage. I mean, I guess the, the term as a whole with the coverage, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a reaffirmation, something I already knew, but it was just uh, drilled in even further. Yes, we know Eagle and Simon and Paul and 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 Rick bomb. I I think we need to start putting Seppo in. Oh yeah, in that category. Yeah. I mean, we talk about Gibson and Girthy, and we some... talk about all these guys with giant arms. Um, and I think we've we've trickled and we've talked about it here and there, and I've heard stories. Um, Seppo has an absolute cannon. And you know what else I love? At at first, I you know you're like, oh no! But at the same time, he puts like, like you, me. I feel like you were really missing the soundboard <laughs> right now. Like I feel like you just you missed a very golden opportunity. I, yeah, you're right. But. Uh, but yeah, Seppo crushes his drives, and then about every tenth putt, he does something like this. Oh 
<laughs> yep. Yeah, that'll, that'll happen. Where, where it's just like, oh, if if he could just nail those, it'd be so you know. But it just doesn't change the fact that his drives are absolute crushes. There were so many of them that I was just like, ooh, never mind that flipped and it's turning and it's gliding forever. Oh, it's hooking up and it's money. Never mind. Never mind. You blasted that. Yeah, and, and ending up in fourth place, two strokes behind Paul McBeth. Um, you know, a terrific round. So, and, and ahead of Ricky Wysocki by by uh, another three strokes. So, that's a that's that's quite a feat, you know. Yeah. Yep. I'm not totally sure. Like, I I didn't get to see a lot of Ricky because he didn't end up on the any on cards. on the cards. But I don't know why. To me, this looked like the kind of course that Ricky would shred, and I just don't know why he wasn't higher up. Like, I I I understand. Let me know. He he. I see him in fifth place at 44 down. I just feel like he probably should have been closer to to Paul and Seppo. You know, up in that kind of, you know, for, Seppo was 49 under, or sorry, uh, uh, Paul was 49 under and Seppo was 47. So I, I felt like Ricky should have been up, like, you know, when you up see, in that range. You see movies or TV shows where uh, people go out in boats and they're like, international waters, you do whatever you want. <laughs> That's that Rick treats uh, anything out of the United States as international waters. And it's just sake bombs nonstop. Got it. He's just hammered. He's, he's just like, raging. He's like, I am sober. It makes sense. In the U.S., but when I get out, you know, Richard comes out. Do you think he knows the ingredients of a sake bomb? Yes. He, he's had one before. I, yeah, but do I've you, heard him talk about it. Do you think he actually knows? I mean, they're two ingredients. Like, like if you if you put them all out on the table, like a, bu- all a, two. a, a bunch of different. Okay, no, I was no, going to say. Put a bunch of different things. alcohol on the table and said, Rick. And the ingredients are present. Rick, make a sake bomb. What do you think happens? Mm. I think he'd be fine. No, there's no I, way. I 100% there's think, no way. I 100% think he could give you a sake bomb. But I wouldn't be blown away if you were like, make me a rum and coke. And he's like, <laughs> oh, I don't know what to do with that. Oh, <laughs> uh, shit. <laughs> trick, this is a trick question. <laughs> There's none chance. <laughs> He's just gonna pour some like Jägermeister in milk and be like, <laughs> that looks like you know something like pirates would drink. I feel like, it's a coke I feel like he'd pour like a 16 ounce glass of sake and then drop a, a shot glass of beer into it or something like that. I'm down. <laughs> He's still got the. I mean, you say that. He's still got the ingredients right. He's still got the ingredients right. Just executed it very poorly. <laughs> very poorly. I feel like we should do that now. <laughs> no, I don't want to do that. It sounds yeah. terrible. I think we'd be fine. <laughs> and then you it get just depends on whether it's the cold sake or warm sake. Uh-huh. That's that's where I would be. You know, you like it warm, don't you? Don't not sixteen. Don't you be coy with a, with a shot of beer dropped in. Whatever. That's just bad news. No, I don't actually. I don't like really warm drinks in general. Yes, you do. You I love don't. room temperature beer. That is not warm. That is not warm. Yes, it is. That is room yes. temperature. Room temperature. That is neither warm. warm nor cold. That is room temperature. Room temperature is warm. That's that's that that is what. It Who is. brought a fridge to the studio? <laughs> <laughs> we lived on room temperature drinks for a while, and I said no more. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna run through the the standings for uh, for the MPO at Canapiste. I don't know how much I like this website. It's it's difficult to navigate, but it gave me round by round uh, 
and and individual hole scoring, which I felt was a lot more helpful than PD, PDGA's uh, thing. But I can pull up PDGA. No, no, no. Go here. ahead. You're fine. If you're having trouble, I may have to if I can't find the FPO here. So, but uh, so in first place at 58 down, Solon in one. Yeah, she did. Uh, Eagle McMahon in first place at 58 down, just absolutely tore it up. Average 10.65 rated golf. That is bananas. And then uh, Simon Lazat in second place at 53 down. Paul McBeth in third place at 49 down. Sepu Paiu at uh, in fourth place at 47 down. Richard Wysocki in fifth place at 44 down. Will Schustrick making an appearance in sixth place at 41 down. Nate Sexton. I didn't even know Sexton was there. What? How do, what do you mean? You watched the coverage. You knew both Sexton. How could you? How could you not? I just got caught. <laughs> I, didn't, I did not watch a lot of coverage. All you had to do was watch like six minutes. Listen. Like, like what? Listen. Um, we're just trading places from from last week's tournament that I watched all of. Fair enough. You know, Joe, you don't got to lie to hang, though. You, I'm not lying. I'm being honest right now. I just I just actually was far too honest. I, like, I went on the exact opposite of trying to cover things up. I, would, like, made mistakes to say too much. I should I should have covered more up. And on top of that, both Nate Sexton and Jeremy Colling tied for seventh place at 40 under. I'm going to have a make-out contest for the winner. <laughs> and Devin Owens in ninth place at 36 under. And uh, wrapping up the uh, top 10, we had Paul Uliberry and Michael Ame. Ame? I think it's Mikhail Ame. Ame. We'll, we'll go with that. I totally just made that. In 10th in ah. place at 35 down. So, so and then... Uh, We'll 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 go one more because we got a golden boy Steve, from both countries. Steve, oh man, would you keep going down? And I keep wanting to say names. Steve Brinster and KJ Naibo tied in twelfth place at thirty four down. Philo uh, and Leo Piernan in fourteenth uh, place at thirty three down. So some some great names on this. There's this was great disc golf. Really, overall was was extremely enjoyable to watch. Um, the the kind of footage that I'll watch again and again. I would love to go to the Czech Republic. <laughs> um, yeah, me too. Uh, th- and this this coverage specifically is this is stuff I'm going to go back to. Like that that I there's certain tournaments you go back and watch again. Um, I, I Eagles' performance through these four rounds was dominant, and uh, he just was parking every hole. He just. It wasn't even I. There wasn't a ton of of amazing putts. He made the putts he needed to, but overall he was just freaking parked every single time. Yep. This tournament has a special place in my heart just because I know I used to have a a boss from the Czech Republic, and I remember we were gearing up to do an episode on this uh, maybe two years ago. How did you get an in of a boss from the Czech Republic? <laughs> you silly goose. Um. And I remember going to her being like, hey, I like this disc golf thing, you, blah, blah. Wait, so you, and you I, associate and we gender her, to your disc? No, we asked her, uh, and by we, I mean I, how to pronounce the name of the spot. How did how did uh, asking an inanimate object for pronunciation go? Was that, that work out well? Are you really still going on the spit? Yeah. <laughs> 
that yeah i was like yeah i'm kind of disappointed that i still am i I went too far i like went too deep i can't pull out now like well robin knows all about that he's got three kids uh anyways it's kind of peach day let's uh let's let's move on so pulling out's like a like a driving term like like pulling out of your driveway or like onto the main highway like that's a that's a thing i feel like you don't even know how to do that well I feel like anything having to do with any type of pulling out, you're just poor at. I'm going to just close my eyes and floor it. That's it's uh, <laughs> pretty much how it works. Don't move aside. <laughs> Get out of the way. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, it was it was fantastic. I, I It was just, like, overall, watching Eagle do this is just, like, one scary. Um, seeing seeing him dominate like that and extrapolating it to to what could be worlds it just goes to show like he has shown us like the super saiyan level of disc he's golf. also shown us inconsistency he has but when when he goes super saiyan or supernova like that he's unstoppable he just you can't beat him when he does that. He is lacing forehand shots, and I prefer sage six, sage mode. I, I'd like sage to go mode. more with uh, Naruto than <laughs> than Dragon Ball. But I, it's just nuts when he is is lacing forehand shots accurately like that, and mix and along with his distance potential uh, with the backhand. It's he's he has a skill set that is unmatched by by. Basically, not even Simon. Really, we used to say that Simon and Eagle had had uh, you know kind of matched skill sets, but Eagle's forehand is a trillion times better than than Simon's. Yeah, which and, is un- unfortunate. And Simon is still like top tier, but I still see him moving to. And I mean, he's going to rectify it. I'm just saying, when uh, if you pay attention to PGA at all. They have like the long drive competitions, yeah. And there are dudes that like they just make their bread with trick shots and blasting the the ball, yeah. Um, and and Simon, you know, I think Simon can make an amazing life being that person. I don't think that's where he'll go, but uh, Simon is still lacking a signature win. Yeah, yeah, you're probably right. You should drink this before that because that's for the. We're, we're getting close. I'll be okay. I know you're so smart. I should have done that. I'm just referencing that I opened a dirty ass uh, chocolate oatmeal milk stout because I was down to my beer for the for the for the deer review for the deer review, which is I probably now just two segments away. So let yep. me let me hit the FPO here, and then we'll we'll get on to our Raptor range segment. And then we'll move on from there. That's fine. I won't tell you why. But uh, so in first place we had Evelina Salonen, the uh, young, uh, you know, prodigy for Innova Discs, and she won at one under par. And then Henna Bloomroos, who came in in second place at even par, and then Katrina Allen in third place at plus seven. Uh, this is someone that was a clear favorite in this in this tournament. So. Um, and then uh, Kristen Tatar in fourth place at 16 over. And uh, that's where as far, as far as I'm going to go before I slaughter some European names. Um, you don't want to go to uh, Hanley. I don't know how to pronounce the A's with the dots over them. So I'm, I'm, I'm just going to 
you know, I'll I'll just leave it there. So I apologize uh, to our to our European listeners, and please uh, message me and and teach me. Yeah, like maybe call in or something. Uh, that would be fantastic. Leave, actually, leave a leave a like record your voice on your phone and send it to our our. Uh, you could email. hit up our Raptor range if you came through and just gave us a Raptor range call of pronunciation of some of the more popular uh, female and male European players. That would be amazing. Like, and we'll just play. I'll, that call. I'll cut it up and and take the sound, and we'll just play that sound right. instead of saying their names. Because even with your coaching for pronunciation, we probably still will butcher it. So this is a perfect time to to transition out of the kind of Peach Day Open to our Raptor range, since we just talked about taking calls. So we have the Raptor range. Our phone line is seven zero seven nine three nine five four seven six. You can also send us an audio file via email at the disc golf podcast at gmail.com so whether you record a voice memo on your phone or however you do it you can email it in that way and that'd be fantastic so calling our, our european listeners send us send us a uh, a uh, a recording saying pronouncing these names correctly so that we can settle this once and for all instead of me just slaughtering it and joe going Meh. and joe like purposely slaughtering it yeah I'm tr- I'm trying. Joe is just kind of like, Meh, whatever. I'm so, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, you should be sorry. But uh, we, I'm not sorry. I was just joking. I don't care. I do. I do care. Joe cares a lot. I do care. So uh, this week we got a a couple of of uh, we're going to do two calls from the same person, and we had a, a wonderful listener, Cole, who uh, sent us both an ace call, Doctor Cole, Doctor Cole, an ace call. And a song. What do you want to start with? Should we go Ace first and close with the song, or then we start with the Ace call? Um, and I do want to point out at one point he talks about how much money he made on his Ace. Whoa! And I also want to point out that he's a doctor, Got so it. I also want to say stop showing off. Well, I mean, but you also can save thank for you the for call. calling. So no, that's not it. All right. Oh that, yeah, that's, that's CV. There we go. Yeah. Hey guys, it's Cole in Mobile, Alabama. Just wanted to call in with an ace story. Uh, So I recently found out that there's a local group that does a $1,000 cash prize ace toss every Friday. So I thought I'd check it out. I go out there. Why don't we have those? Yeah, that sounds great. I can't see anybody. Nobody's showing up. Turns out I went to the wrong course. And I'm running late, so I asked one of the passersby. And they're like, oh yeah, it's (laughs) over at such and such course. So I go over there. You probably Go couldn't read the handwriting. You know, one of the last cards, yeah. and this is one of the last holes. My whole card throws. They start walking off, and I was like, "Well, guys, hold on a second. So I toss a Vibram Ibex, floats out there beautifully, has a couple air bounces, and crashes into the chains. It was pretty awesome, and I uh, won a thousand dollars. So I'd be way more positive, way more pain. pumped. Um, well, he's a doctor. That's like that's. That's true. It's like he saves a life, and he's like, like "Oh, I guess can, I, can, I guess I can get an extra burrito." This congratulations! Week. I yeah. saved your daughter's life. No, I'm, it I was an mo- extremely difficult surgical procedure. I meant more procedure. so like the thousand dollars is like yeah. he like oh that's he that far could, earlier than it fell too. out of his pocket. And he's yeah. like, eh, someone else can have that. Um, I do want to call us right now. Um, pretty positive there will be a slight to Joe coming up. I would, I would only hope so. As as any but, ace call, like, have you ever heard someone like so monotone about winning a thousand dollars? 
Yeah, one thousand dollars. Well, uh, listen, he's gonna make up for it. I guess I've in, uh, in spades got, when we play the next. Like, do you think he uses money to light light? I guess they probably don't don't have furnaces in in Mobile, Alabama. It's, it's also they probably don't hot and humid. S- smoke that sticky icky because it's probably like yeah, uh, probably. Uh, you know, maybe he's a cigar guy, and that's what he uses his thousand oh, dollars for. I could see it. All right, I'll I'll continue on. Hang in there, guys. If you don't have an ace, you'll get one. Joe, maybe you should just bust the chains, and then it'll work for you. Good luck. Throw stuff at stuff. Thanks, guys. Did you say bust the chains or bless the chains? I have no idea. I can bless shit. <laughs> but I'll try and bust it. You know what I'm saying? Joe, I, it appears that he is referring to the fact that you don't have an ace. Is that correct? That he's referring to that or that I don't have an ace? Well, one both, or the other, whichever I mean, you both, want. Both, both are, are very factual. Um <clears throat> So he Cole also sent us a song, which uh, if you've been listening lately, we've been getting a lot of them. People uh, covering songs with with new disc golf lyrics added to them, and uh, he uh, he went a little ape shit on on this one. Um, and then I uh, I added to his ape shitness. Yeah, so we may not play all of this, Cole, because uh, the song you sent us is four minutes and fifty nine seconds. I don't know if you. I know don't know if- that you had to say four fifty. You probably just could say five minutes. I don't know that you noticed that, Cole, but you know, like maybe next time, try to you know, you know, cut that down a little bit because because five minutes, bro. Like I don't know that there's five minutes of like solid disc golf talk in this episode. I don't think so at all. I mean, there's there was especially not like consecutive. I mean, there was there was five solid minutes of stripper innuendo, but I don't think there's been five solid minutes. Wait a minute, what? What? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm very lost. Oh, uh, we might need to pause this and and talk. Well, cause... I was I was uh you know I told that story about your bachelor party and and uh, you know you you heard all of it. You were My dead. bachelor party was, was fine. so weak. <laughs> like y'all were we're all still in college. Like. It was like, let's fucking go to Champagne Brunch and then have a keg. Listen. That was my bachelor party. It's not our fault that you got married before we had the means to throw a legitimate bachelor party. Okay? I know. Like, I know. What did you expect from us? We didn't. You know what? At some point. We um, didn't even know that you were allowed to get married. Shit. I should have figured. I should have already. I should have already planned a second bachelor party and then an actual honeymoon. Damn it. I did this wrong. I'm at my 10 year, like, weeks away. Yeah, damn it! You did this all wrong. I you could have, you could have gotten, you I could have doubled uh, down. I, let's say this: I, I didn't do it all wrong. I did it. Uh, I did it with no knowledge, but mm-hmm. it wasn't wrong. I'm still stoked. I'm yet ten years married in a couple weeks. That's pretty neat. I'm I'm okay with all of the the pieces that went Listen, into I, it. I got Officer Browntown's number. I could have set this up for you. Is Officer Browntown your brother? Because I'm out. <laughs> Officer Scoose McBrowntown. <laughs> no. I hope not. <laughs> He's going to take you pound town. Oh, no. All right. Well, I think <laughs> oh, so. Oh, no. I feel like that like soundboard needs to. I know. God. You can tell I've been like more on it. Than I've said it more times than I played it. <laughs> it's going to happen. We're gonna get the the legit soundboard. All right, uh, soon. Let's play Cole's song. Okay, since he, uh, you know, he did it. I also he, he did it. Did 
Remet a lot of it. Uh, song by Cole, remastered by Joe. Whoa! Still so Yeah, it's right. fine. It's fine. It's fine. Like, did it really need 20 seconds of, of uh, this? That was me. That was me. Cynthia. You know, listen. Like, you could have fixed this, Joe. Instead, I we're, did. we're waiting. Oh, uh, wait. Pa- pa- the pause it. Pause it. Oh, yeah, me. Pause it. There was an additional, like, 25 seconds before that. I already cut a ton off the front end. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm going to back this up to. No, don't back it. Just press play. Well, he started singing. No, it's fine. It's fine. There we go. He's such a little angel. I think you gotta turn it back up a little bit. I think you, you, you drop you want me to bring it up yeah, a little yeah, bit more? Yeah. Okay. It's coming in on highs of flight. That's a disc golf term. Hey, I think he's referring to the fact that you missed an ace. I've missed multiple aces. Yeah. I've technically missed every ace. Yeah. <laughs> all of them. <laughs> How many of you missed all of them? Robin looks at him as if to say, Sorry, Joy, there's nothing I can do. I don't do that, actually. I, I just I just go, it's never going to happen. It's going to take a lot to get an ace from Joe. This is so glorious. All right, pause it. Pause it. He said, "Joe, bless the chains." On that call, it was blessed, and yeah. that's where it came. Now yeah. it, now it makes sense. Full circle. Uh, Cole, I get it now. Also, you're also a dick. Also a genius. Also a Full doctor. Circle. So also one minute and twenty seven seconds in for those of you keeping track at home. I think, um, great call, great song. We can probably just stop right there. Do, do if, we want to hit the end where he hits the where he? Where he goes bananas with the... I mean, you can. I don't know where it is. So. I don't either. So this is what I'm going to say. We have it saved uh, into our Google Drive. Mm-hmm. If you hit us up on Slack, uh, you can go to our website, throw7stuff.com. There's a join Slack button if you're not already in. Join on up if you're not already. And just hit us up and say, hey, send me the link to that. Yeah. I want that in its entirety, which you all should. And, and and we'll get it out to you. Or we'll share it in uh, in general. And the other thing that we're going to do is is that we at at the Disc Golf Podcast, a uh, multifaceted organization with with many uh, employees and a very large overhead, have a Patreon. That's true. And uh, we do uh, pre shows every week, which are largely ridiculous and completely unplanned, and. Uh, uh, they, I, I'd say, in a not safe for work would be an understatement. I, they're they're typically pretty rowdy, and uh, you can get access to those like a second disc golf podcast every single week. And we are actually going to post an episode to Patreon that is just going to be all of the songs we've been sent as like a soundtrack. Yep, it's gonna be amazing. The other thing we're gonna do, uh, Cole, uh, appreciate the uh, call and um, 
Leo just rubbed it in my zero ace. So I'm pretty positive I have an Ibex in somewhere. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to cut that into pieces and just send it to you in the mail. That's not very nice. You know, in the great point, because, you know, Ibex has gone. Uh, I just want you to know what I had that you could have had, but uh, you chose to break my heart on purpose. That doesn't that doesn't make sense. I would at never. All. I would I would never do that. I'm not going to pay shipping for that. I mean, we should send him an Ibex though. Do we have one still? I th- is that I think that might be one. All right, let's send Colin. I I'm going to go look. It's either an Ibex or an Obex, but listen, uh for those uncultured vibrant people, like print the same disc. although we should review it before we send it because i don't think we actually did and we got a lot more calls this week we are going to keep those on tap and we will play them next week please hit us up at the disc golf podcast at gmail.com you can email us an audio file or you can call in if you feel like doing it on the fly you can call in 707 Nine three nine five four seven six, and leave us a message on the Raptor range, and and join up the Patreon because we played actually a couple of them um, in the pre-show. We totally did, yeah. And uh, that's a great, Patre- a great call from California Pat by himself, Spencer Fairley Ward. Yeah, Patreon.com/slash the Disc Golf Podcast. Um, it basically nets you a second Disc Golf Podcast every single week, uh, and yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. We we enjoy doing it. Uh, they they have a different feel than the regular podcast, but are still the same uh, same nonsense. So same dudes, bro. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So uh, we hope uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, so far, all of our patrons have been uh, very happy with it. So check it out. Patreon.com slash this golf podcast. All right, Joe, you ready to uh, do our world famous deer review? Indeed, I am. Our disc and beer pairing where we take a disc, we take a beer, we review them both, and let you know whether you should bring it on the course. Tonight, we have the MVP Volt, which is an eight speed, five glide, minus 0.5 turn, and two fade. And we are pairing it with Revival West Coast IPA by Beaver Island Brewing Company. Both the disc and the beer were sent to us by Eli Starkaz, longtime listener. Awesome dude. Uh, thank you, Eli. We appreciate it. A military man, a nurse medic. Yeah, so we uh, the uh, beer is 6.3%. All right. The so vault, that, we got a couple of them. We have, we have an Eclipse vault, which is uh, kind of a premium plastic vault with a glow rim. And then we also have an Electron vault, which is uh, significantly less stable than... I did not. Uh, precursors, I did not throw the electron. I only threw I the did. Eclipse. Uh, it, it's significantly less stable. I kind of wish I would have thrown that one. But uh, that's, right. that, that's okay. I'll, I can I can talk about, about each of those. Where do you want to start? Beer or uh, or disc? Let's get into the B. Oh, okay. So uh, Beaver Island Brewing Company, 6.3% alcohol, Revival West Coast IPA. And uh, it's an American style IPA, and uh, they are are saying that this is a revolutionary spin on the coast to coast IPA. We circled the globe to find the perfect mashup of heritage UK malts and West Coast hops. Let's inspire your next voyage. And uh, we paired this with the Volt. We should say Eli recommended we pair this with the Volt because uh, revival, like I'm I'm guessing, like that that shocking machine that that wakes people up from the from naps defibrillator oh yeah there you go yeah so i learned it actually it or maybe it's a shakespeare quote i'm not sure 
Dude, we got so many messages. <laughs> just be like, oh, idiot. It's Macbeth. And I was like, you know what? I'm, unfortunately, proud of the fact that I didn't know that. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't care about Shakespeare. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I also don't know how to read. If so there was going to be a together. test I was going to fail, anything about Shakespeare. Right? Anything. Right? If it like came from a Super Troopers quote and we missed it, I don't know that we would be recording an episode right now. There would be an apology episode. Yeah. A full episode of me being like, I don't know <laughs> how I missed that. That's not it, okay. It would be a, a full flogging episode where just over and over I'd just be whipping you and then... Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's what I'd say if I got uh, whipped. Actually, probably not. I don't know. If like, oh, no! You're, you're whipping me. <laughs> Why are you doing that? Oh, no! <laughs> Um, but yeah, so it's nice. It's yeah, th- this is a, a very smooth IPA. It's it's not uh, it's not. Crazy. I guess it's coast to coast. In my mind, I was thinking West Coast. It's coast to coast, which makes sense. And this is something I realized. I think a few back when we were doing maybe like Centennial or something from Founders. That. Uh, the super piney over the top hops is definitely a West Coast thing. Uh huh. Um, and what I thought might just be malty is just maybe that that the hop, the hop flavor yeah. in the East. Because to me, I get kind of, I definitely get hoppy. Like I'm not going to say there's no hops. It's definitely yeah, hoppy, but it's piney there's definitely stuff. like a more of a malt finish to it than yeah. um, uh-huh. our beers that we rock over here. Yeah, and it, I mean, it certainly has the the kind of piney flavor that you would expect from from any IPA. Um, you know, it it smells pretty good uh, overall, but yeah, I, you can taste the malt in there too. It's like a bitter um, sweet aftertaste, and instead then, of like the super like um, that super pine like <laughs> like almost cleaning product that yeah. we get over here. Yeah, and and uh, just kind of like a, a slightly dry finish, not not crazy, but it's definitely I can feel you know a little bit of a, a cotton mouth after after a little bit, so you get a little bit of a of a dry finish on it. It's kind of it's it's dry, but um, it almost like the hoppiness that sweet kind of makes your mouth water a little bit, but it's not. Oh, and we forgot to men- mention the most important part about this. Uh, you know, Eli's uh, home turf, uh, St. Cloud, Minnesota. Minnesota. Is where this beer's from. So. Right. And I'm drinking another. <laughs> I opened another uh, beer from Beaver Island before that. And actually, last week, we rocked a couple in the pre show. So. Uh, thank you, Eli. Yeah, thank it's you. No, you sent us a ton. We were able to drink a lot of them. They're fantastic. But I mean, right off the bat, it's 6 3, so that passes a huge test for Joe. Um, two, it's in a can, also great, and it's pretty refreshing. Even though it's it uh, has a little bit of a dry finish, it is a nice, refreshing beer. Um, it's smooth. It's not boozy at all. Yeah. Um, it's kind of a clean, like citrusy, piney into that malty. Uh, I feel like it kind of tricks you a little bit. Like the initial taste is is very smooth and and then it gets bitter after that. Yeah, well it's like smooth and piney and then bitter and sweet. Yeah. So it goes like it runs like the full um you know gamut. Yeah. 
So, I mean, it gets, I guess, coast to coast is fun. Um, the only thing that I, I argue, um, the revolutionary spin. Mm, okay. Like, it's, it's great. I, Maybe they're I, just I referring it. to the fact that, like, America and the United Kingdom and, and, like, like a revolutionary war that's occurring between the, the flavors of the beer. Dude, and that they're fighting for the freedom. You are reading into it way too much. I, I think it's legitimately what's happening here. I, there's, I, there, I, there is a war going on inside this beer between the United Kingdom and, uh, I 100% and the United States. I feel like you, you completely you're made up something. Selling. That's not. <laughs> overselling I would that. never do that. Um, I research meticulously all of the I things would say more we talk about on the, this podcast. The hops, the hops and malt mixture hadn't been done before. That's probably it. I, you know, I, I think it's probably... But also a, Revolutionary War, totally. And and I, I think it's embedded deep in uh, the uh, Shakespeare play Macbeth. Which right. which is you know has very and the and the origins of the both the Brown and the Ward families <laughs> yes and uh, colonial and possibly uh, you know <laughs> where are you going <laughs> you're falling ta- apart ta- here ta- but times when uh, <laughs> you know previous to uh, the Civil War yes yeah of course <clears throat> um, so we can just leave that there <laughs> no it's good beer I think. Uh, I mean, unless you have anything else to say about that, I think we should move to the. That ready D. to go to the vault? All right, I'm. I'm curious to hear what you have to say about the vault because this is not a traditional Joe disc. You know what? I actually I told Robin maybe last week um, when I was holding it. Maybe I was holding the Electron one. Um, I have been broken. I still 100 percent my favorite discs. I love the super wide rims. I do, but. Um, I have come to really enjoy, I guess, all rim sizes at this point. I think I made a transition months ago to where I felt good power gripping putters and mid ranges and throwing lots of FDs. Um, and I know I like picked up the vault and I was like, that feels really good in my hand. Uh, which I don't know. You can go back probably 10 episodes and I'd be disgusted by it. Um, for me, and, and I don't, and I feel like it's probably because it was the the eclipse, which is like the glow plastic, pretty stiff, actually very stiff plastic. Um, it was pretty beefy. It was beefier than I expected. Talking with people about it, talking with Robin about it. So this is a and pr- looking a at proton numbers, eclipse vault is what what yes, you're holding an right eclipse now. glow proton. Yeah. Um, I I definitely expected something less stable than what i threw yeah so to me it reminded me a lot of like a naibo t-bird a little bit faster Uh but still you can see that um you know i looked at numbers on infinite after i had thrown it some and i was like i don't really get that minus one and i know they on their own website mvp rates it as a minus 0.5 which is probably closer but i'm kind of feeling like because of this like ultra premium plastic it's just a little bit beefier um i wasn't getting it to turn at all it did have like a a, really you didn't get it to turn no interesting no um i it wasn't like a it wasn't a meat hook out of my hand but at the same time like i'll tell you the same thing with like the the naibo t-bird that didn't turn for me yeah um i know i mean i i'm not i'm not saying that because i saw 
significant turn. And I mean, I, I just threw thought it, that you would. You might I threw it some. on. I also I threw it on the course. I threw it on holes. I didn't. I wasn't in a field mm-hmm. ripping as hard to. as I could, trying to get max distance. Yeah. Um, which could totally have a part of that, but I wasn't allowed to turn, and it just kind of it. Um, it was kind of like a. I have actually have a nice like uh, all this disc mania in of a story. I was going to call it a sea lion. I have a champ thunderbird that I've been throwing for a uh-huh. while. That's not super beefy, and it reminded me of that, just like a little bit slower. Like it basically for me, it was like a, a between a Nibo T bird and my semi beat champ thunderbird. That's not far off. Um, that's you that, know that's pretty it's got close beef, to what I would it, say. It's going to hook up. It's not going to turn over. Um, it's not going to have a huge fade. It's not going to hook up super hard. Uh, but it's going to go farther than a T-Bird, um, and it's going to touch Thunderbird distance. Right. Um, and uh, so so what I was going to say with this disc in, in this Proton Plastic specifically is that it's right between a T-Bird 3 and a Thunderbird. All right. Uh, I kind of would almost put it almost T-Bird 3. It goes farther than the T-Bird 3. Okay. I can I can throw it farther. I've I've done them both at the same time because I was trying to figure out what the heck it is, and uh, and it goes farther than my T Bird three. It has more glide. It will it will get out there, um, more so. Um, it it but it won't go as far as my Thunderbirds. So right, it was kind of a tweener in that in that. So uh, it's a pretty nominal. It it's pretty small. Distant like yeah. difference. Yeah. Um. I the di- difference is. Is that um, you know T bird three tends to be pretty straight. Um, you'll you'll get a little bit more more uh, more fade out of, out of the vault than than you will, um, and but you'll get a lot more glide, uh, in my opinion. And the electron version of it, you can flip and turn. I know. I totally like. I'm disappointed, and I will throw it. I'll guarantee you all right now. It'll it'll happen, and I'll give a. Um either in a pre-show or if we come across it, I'll, I'll talk about it at some point because I do really want to throw that. We just kind of got it later in the game and I've had this one in my possession, the eclipse one for a while. So it made it easier for me to get in test. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not like it's crazy understable, like a huge difference, but you can hyzer flip it. Whereas, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's enough where is difference the, for me. Yeah. Whereas the, uh, proton one that I have, it's, which is max weight. Um, and uh, it's pretty cool. So on, on this one, so Eclipse, they call it Eclipse because just the rim glows right. on this thing. And, uh, you know, it, since it's MVP, it has the, the overmold technology. So the the flight plate is a different plastic than the rim. And it's pretty, it's pretty stable. I mean, I've only had a couple of instances where I saw turn. They were both in situations with headwind. I've driven on it on a couple of holes where... Uh, where there was headwind present, and I I got it to turn a little bit, but in normal conditions, you know, I, I didn't I, see that. I one hundred percent lied. I did I did get to flip. I didn't get to turn, but I got to flip up. Um, it reminded me, definitely not the same disc, but the same thing. Where um, there was an instance back when we were reviewing the the crave, uh-huh. where I was like, oh, it's like it's like a little beefier, and I I ripped it hard, and it just went straight longer than I wanted to. Mm-hmm. I did the same thing with this. Actually, I threw. There's a hole at Taylor Mountain, um, hole eight. I threw it uphill. And I was like, oh, this might be perfect. And threw it on the highest, and it just flipped up and went straight 
for super long yeah. and I didn't want it to. Um, so yeah, so that glide is real. Um, so I mean, in in essence, it's it's like a, a tweener on a fairway and a control driver, and um, it pretty useful disc. I I really like it personally. Um, it 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 can do a lot of different things. You can get some great distance out of it. It it's just kind of in between a couple of discs that I really love that I'm not sure I can differentiate. Um, that'd be my main issue with. That's I mean that's exactly it. Uh, like for me, I would throw, I mean, I, I would throw exactly what I said. I compared it to, I have a kind of beat up champ Thunderbird that I trust and love and have thrown for a while. Um, and, and I would throw it over the vault purely because I, I threw a shot where I was like, Oh, it'll be just about the same and threw it. And it fortunately or unfortunately, went straight longer than I wanted, yeah. which which could be great for someone. But for me, I uh, am going to go with what I know. It's not going to kick a Thunderbird out of my bag. But, uh, you know, the thing we always say, too, um, it is a consistent disc that I know if I went somewhere and it was like a big Axiom MVP world and I need to buy a disc to play around, I would have no problem picking up a Volt and throwing it in that Thunderbird slot, yeah, and getting done what I knew I needed to get done, yeah. Uh, but it's it's a great disc. I mean, you can when you when you rip it hard, you can get those straight shots like you're talking about, and and that's that's always something that that people are looking for in that speed range. So uh, certainly worth checking out if you you haven't tried a Volt. So all right, should we move to uh, the verdict? Yeah, yeah. Speaking of which, we've never reviewed a verdict. We should at some point. <laughs> probably. <laughs> probably. Um, the beer, uh, I'm just going to start. 6-3, in a can, tastes good. Hell yes, I'll bring that shit Slam on, of dunk. Yeah, like, of course. Easy. Yeah, this is. I kind of, so Eli was cool enough to send us six of them, and we drank them all during this podcast. I mean, uh, you're right. Yeah, we It did. wasn't six each. It was six total. Uh, yeah. And through the pre-show and everything. like Yeah. This is, we're talking several hours of, of podcasting. We're not <clears throat> alcoholics. Um, we're also a podcast, and you didn't see my air quotes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, without a doubt. As for the Volt, I got a, I got a Thunderbird that I'm going to throw. Yeah. I, th- I have a Thunderbird and a T-Bird 3, and I'm going to use those. It- now, there is a moment that, because I, it's it's an older champ Thunderbird, there is a possibility at some point that it will, um, it'll beat up, and it'll turn more than I want, and I could totally see myself going. You know what? Let's toss this vault into my octo hall that fits a million discs yep. and be okay with yeah. it. Yeah, and I mean the it's one of those discs that that you know you you can trust it, and so you know what it is, and if you had to, you know pull it in for whatever reason it it can fill in you know valiantly so i i i agree in in that sense so um good disc i i am already uh covered in that that sort of slot in my bag and not something i'm going to going to mix in yep i actually i actually did bag it it was in technically in my bag for two months i didn't throw it very often but in certain shots i i used it and and threw it enough to to get a feel for what it was because it was something i thought might work so right and for me 
uh, through this testing process. So, I, I mean, it has been in and out of my bag for a month trying to get enough throws with it. Um, and I have pulled it out being like, eh, I know I'm going to and put it back in. So, yeah, um, that's kind of where it lives. So that's that's two for four. Yeah. That is a uh, a Paul Macbeth telling you his number one priority is staying clean and then throwing OB. Yeah. Every but time. still finishing third. Yeah, it's still crushing the rest. Of yep. course. Very nice. All right, well, that's all we got for you on this episode of The Disc Golf Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, be sure to check us out on our Instagram, The Disc Golf Podcast, and then we're on Twitter at The Disc Pod. Check out our website, throwstuffatstuff.com. We have Disc Golf Podcast discs on there. Specifically, we've got a great run of FDs that are up right now, which you should check out. Uh, hit up our Patreon, patreon.com slash the Disc Golf Podcast. Uh, become a patron and get access to what is now like I don't know, like 40 podcasts that, that uh, you've never heard before. So at least if you're one of those people that has run through our podcast, uh, started from the beginning and, and listen to all of them and looking for more, become a patron and you'll immediately get access to a bunch of pre-shows. It's uh, it's pretty fantastic. And lastly, review us on iTunes or whatever you're listening to us on. Uh, we really appreciate those reviews and seeing uh, feedback from everyone and it helps new listeners to uh, find our podcast so if you love the show give us five stars and uh, drop us a nice review we and if appreciate, you like the show please just don't give us five stars yeah <laughs> we really appreciate everyone that has done that so far in the meantime get out there this weekend and throw stuff at stuff this is a song for the aceless but those with aces listen closely you don't Always have to huck it hard In fact, sometimes that's not right to do Sometimes you gotta lay it up And fucking not run an ace or two Sometimes you got to ease If you wanna put the D's and the B's Sometimes you got to say, hey I'm gonna throw it softly I'm gonna hug it gently I'm gonna flick it smoothly I'm gonna toss it so sweetly And then you say, hey, I hit some metal And then you say, wait a minute, Robin I think I'm starting to get it now Could you fill my throat for me? That's fucking teamwork What's your favorite disc? That's cool with me It's not a trespass But I guess it works for you What's your favorite beer? The only answer is an IPA So let's go to the bar And then I'm gonna flick it so sweetly then I'll fucking hug it softly And then I'll fucking throw it perfectly But then I'm gonna hug it